0: to the Road Safety Podcast, the podcast that keeps driving for work and how to manage risks in the mind of people and business across Scotland. Our conversations will help you understand where driving for work sits within the safe system approach. We all have a part to play in keeping ourselves and each other safe on the roads. This podcast is brought to you by your host, Dr. Karen McDonnell. As Occupational Health and Safety Policy Advisor at Rospa, I am responsible for the delivery of the work of the Scottish Occupational Road Safety Alliance. So today we're going to be discussing the Fatal Four. Understanding the Fatal Four as individual road users and as people driving to and for work will play a major part in achieving this. So what are the Fatal Four? Inappropriate speed, mobile phone use, not wearing a seatbelt, drink and drug driving, each of which contribute to the number of people killed and seriously injured on roads here in Scotland and indeed around the world. So to discuss this, I'm joined by Michael McDonnell, Director of Road Safety Scotland, whose focus is the promotion of safer road use across Scotland. Hello, Michael.
1: Hi, Karen. How are you doing?
0: I was just thinking it would be useful to start by setting the scene about what are the fatal four?
1: The fatal four are, of course, as you know, uh, inappropriate speed. And I think the one thing that people think of when they think of speed is people doing 90, 100 miles an hour. But in actual fact, I think what we've had to do in recent years is consider that we're not just talking about excessive speed, we're talking about inappropriate speed, where it could be inappropriate to be doing 30 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour limit because of the the circumstances around the car or around the vehicle at the time. So speed is certainly one. Seatbelts, another one. Uh, And we know from recent work we've done in Scotland that even though the seatbelt legislation has been in for many, many years, both front and back, that one in seven of the people who die in vehicles in Scotland are still not wearing a seatbelt. So there's there's something sad about that from our point of view. Mobile phone use is another one, and of course legislation has recently changed to fill the loopholes in the mobile phone legislation so that we've now got the use of any uh, of the handheld mobile phone for anything. So, sat-nav, playing music, whatever, is all now banned, and that's just come into effect fairly recently. And, of course, then, again, an ever-present one, unfortunately, was drink driving, and again, you know, some 60 years after the legislation or 50-odd years after the legislation was passed, it's still an issue for us. And added to that is the more recent phenomenon of drunk driving. And, of course, with the law changing uh, in Scotland in, in 2019, we're now able to test drivers at the roadside, principally for two drugs, uh, cannabis and cocaine, uh, but also uh, subsequent blood tests can test for about uh, 15 other substances as well. So all of the issues that affect what goes on in their daily lives, when you see the numbers coming in on a Monday morning, I get the fatal reports every Monday morning, and it's quite sad to see, you know, on average in Scotland, we have about three coming in on a Monday morning, uh, and that's pretty sad because that means that there are three families And the ripple effect that that causes um, within communities uh, have lost someone.
0: I think it's uh, staggering. I mean, that one in seven uh, as a consequence of not wearing a seatbelt for something for most of us is uh, just part of the getting ready to to drive on a daily basis is to think about doing vehicle checks and then making sure uh, that you put your seatbelt on before you set off uh, on your journey. So um, in in terms of uh, the Fatal four and how they link to the road safety framework to twenty thirty. Uh, could you help people understand? You know the simple things like ensuring they put on the seatbelt, that driving within you know with with appropriate speed, and avoiding the drink drive uh, scenario. You know what those little things, what, what effect they can have on achieving uh, the the targets of the road safety framework, please.
1: Do you know, it's not rocket science, Cam. I think that um, very much the the Fatal Four are simple things uh, that can have dramatic effects. When we say one in seven people dying in vehicles, to remove that one in seven would have a fairly substantial impact. And I think when we look at, you know, being part of the the Great Britain's strategic road safety plans for 20 years and then having our own published for the last 10 and now a new one for 2030 – what the the thirty years of, of a kind of coordinated approach at GB level and, and now more recently at Scotland level has done is, it's, to use this cliche, it's it, we've got all the low hanging fruit. So the, what we've got to do in the next 10 years is going to be much, much more difficult, and I mean really difficult, and we can't do that without the help and support of the public. And and that's, you mentioned at the beginning, the, the notion that it's everyone's responsibility, and it has to be, because no matter what you do in your organisation, what I do in my organisation, what the health services are doing, what the police are doing, what everybody's doing to contribute to these five pillars of the the safe system. If we don't have safe road use carried out by road users who are acting in a safe and responsible manner, we've lost the battle before we start. And that's why safe road use is such an important pillar of the safe system. And I say that largely because it's the area that I'm most involved in in the safe system.
0: I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, the reinforcing individual ownership uh, of the issues. So within your role, uh, you ensure that there are messages developed that save lives, uh, road safety related messages developed that save lives. How do you get drivers of different ages to listen to these messages?
1: Well, I'm fortunate enough to, to work with a, a number of very, very good people, principally in the Scottish Government's marketing team. And it's quite a sophisticated process. It, I remember back probably when I first came into road safety in the early 80s, people would think, this seems like a good idea, let's go and do it, or this seems like a good message, let's go and do it. But now the model has completely changed in that, you know, the, the start off is gathering all the statistics and all the data and all the information and all the insights we can have on any particular issue. And then uh, looking at is there something, is there a role for, advertising and publicity in this? Because sometimes there isn't. If we look at even something like the speeding campaign, we identified four different types of speeders. So there are those that occasionally, by mistake, drift over the speed limit. At the other end of the scale, there are those that do it all the time. They drive inappropriate speeds or excessive speeds all the time. And in the middle, you've got those who are occasion-specific speeders or people who are able to justify it. The role for marketing is not in the first one or the last one. The role in the first one is, you know, we, we, we're we not really too bothered about these people that accidentally drift over the speed limit very occasionally. For the, the ones at the top end of the scale, that's where enforcement needs to come in. So we're looking at the two middle ones, and these are the two that are likely to be persuaded. So that's what we concentrate our efforts on.
0: So how can businesses, because that that gives great clarity to inappropriate speed and the reasons that people would give, you know, that just, you know, I was just exceeding, I was just doing. How can businesses across Scotland help in driving up awareness of the fatal four and getting the people who work for drive for them to just stay within the speed limit?
1: I think, again, it comes down to, how much the business is interested in the safety of its workforce, both at work and away from work, and making sure that they don't set unrealistic challenges for their drivers or for others. So making sure that, you know, when they're looking at at route plans, when they're looking at uh, schedules, that they don't set targets, which means that drivers would have to be pushing or driving the edge all the time.
0: So I think it'll be interesting for people to reflect on the fact that you know these simple interventions like seatbelt wearing, driving within the speed limit, are all part of an overall management of road risk approach. So to have the policies and procedures in place that help people plan work, uh, plan routes, uh, account for weather, um, all these other elements that can impact on uh, the management of driving risk and that overall consideration. So those simple things that um, will reduce the number pieces of sad information that are coming across your desk every morning on a Monday uh, and working with Ross, but we certainly see those as well and behind each data point, And we do talk about data a lot in our, in our work, but behind each data point, there is a family, an individual, a family, a community, a workforce that's impacted as a consequence. So I think it's really interesting for uh, business to understand that those simple ways of driving up awareness of the fatal four and, and using the tools that are available to communicate those messages can really make a difference. Can we just move on to consider what the new or emerging issues are that businesses should be considering? Uh, Something that Scorch has been focusing on is is fatigue. Uh, So some insights into what the challenges are there perhaps?
1: I think the challenges there are are probably fairly common. I think we've probably all driven at some point when we were tired and we can all justify it at at the moment. You You know, we're nearly home or we've only got a bit to go. I remember many, many years ago, we're driving back up from down south, uh, back up to Scotland. I always felt a wee bit more relaxed as soon as I saw the sign that said, welcome to Scotland, because I knew I was pretty close to home at that time. But at the same time, I thought, that's probably when I'm most at risk because I have relaxed. And I think that um, in terms of fatigue, uh, what we've discovered is that, that, that people just don't see it as a major problem. They understand that they're tired. They understand that that they probably should be taking a rest, but getting to their destination and finishing their job or whatever seems to be more important to them. And in actual fact, uh, we know that fatigue has played a, a, a part in a considerable number of road crashes, and it will also play a part in those that we don't actually—it doesn't actually get recorded as a contributory factor because we may not know about it. But it's absolutely essential that you know careful journey planning is done beforehand, and I think. Fatigue isn't any different from any of the other four. It's about making sure you know what you should be doing and that you do it. And you do it with the thoughts about what could go wrong. I think one of the issues for me in terms of occupational road safety is that road risk is often dealt with differently by companies as to their you know, other at-work risks. So there could be extensive training in operating a a piece of machinery on a factory floor. The fact that you've got a driving licence might just be enough for you to be able to drive uh, on-company business. And I think sometimes uh, organisations, and I'm talking about all organisations, need to take cognizance of the fact that maybe their drivers... Are as good as they should be when they're out on the road, and maybe there is a need for continued training uh, and, and advice and guidance to help make sure that every journey they undertake is done safely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would um, through, working through us from a scores perspective. That's exactly the encouragement we would give people is to look at the multifaceted approach to managing driving risk. Uh, and then pick out those elements that uh, require to be focused. So uh, a focus on fatigue and fatigue risk management within an overall management road risk policy is certainly something uh, that Scorza can support. As we move into year two of the framework, uh, Michael, what are you most proud of?
1: I'm reluctant to say proud of think Most of the work we do is done well. And I'm not taking the credit for that because, there's, you know, the organisation's much bigger than me and there's a lot more people involved. But I like the approach we take. I like this rigour we, we we bring to it. I talked earlier on about the speeding campaign and how we, we try and identify who it is we can actually target and what kind of messages we can deliver that, that will change the behaviour. I think the other thing is, and this is, this is something which is quite new, is being able to identify your target market and only buy media that affects them. I'm going to talk about drive like Grand's in the car, which I... I would have to say there's a bit of a dilemma here because when the idea was first presented to me, I didn't really like it. Um, I understood it because my own son and and my mother, his grand, had a really, really close relationship. My mum could say things to my son that I wouldn't get away with because when we were saying it, there was a kind of judgment, whereas with a grand character, it was, I'll tell you the truth, but I'll never judge you. And so I understood the concept completely although I didn't really like the idea. But it has researched so well and continues to research so well, Um, I have to hold my hands up and say, well, I I got that one wrong. Then I'm I'm well away from the 20 to 29-year-old age group as well. If you were looking to ask me what's the thing I'm most proud of, I think I would probably plump for the Breathtaking Roads series of videos that we've done in support of our motorcycling campaign. Um, Just stunning looking at scenery that, you know, they almost look like Visit Scotland ads. Bikers are a really, really strange group to try and address. Um, Part of what they do is they do it for the thrill. Um, They do it because it's a wee bit risky or dangerous. I'm trying to persuade them that that risk could end up leading to them not coming home uh, one weekend or after a ride. is quite difficult. So the breathtaking road stuff is just... To me it's stunning and and probably of all all my time in this particular job, it's the thing that I'm probably most proud of.
0: The way you've described that, uh, Michael, certainly helps people listening in understand the sort of science that goes behind the messaging uh, that saves lives that is promulgated through uh, Road Safety Scotland, and it certainly will help the businesses connected to uh, Scorsa in the wider world uh, understand the importance of listening to these messages and implementing them. If you could ask them to do one thing differently, these businesses, what would it be?
1: I think to, just to go back to the science uh, briefly. We were the first people in the country, you know, in the UK, to actually sit down with a psychologist and say, well, if if what we're doing in terms of campaigning is about trying to change behaviour, how do we do that? And so we brought in psychologists, and and we've we've danced with various uh, different psychological behavioural change models. The theory of nudge is the the one which is currently in vogue, and that we're just trying to nudge people along a line with us. And I think from a business point of view, it's not dissimilar. So you you need to look at the issues you have within your own organisation, you need to look at the workforce you have and then you need to think about what will work for them. And if that involves a wee bit of science, then why not? You know, uh, is there any reason why you couldn't look at a behavioural change model to try and take people on that journey with you? Particularly if the kind of state of affairs in your organisation is distant from where you'd like it to be in terms of uh, at work road risk. So, how do we take people on that journey with us and, and get them to where we want to be? And I think that's the most important thing. And again, going back to the comparison with other walks of life, they'll be doing it in terms of legislation that's brought about by the Health and Safety Executive. And, and why shouldn't they be doing it with legislation that's enforced by DFT? So, I think it, it's just that that whole process of making sure that those at work risks that you would be doing elsewhere that same rigour, those same processes are brought to the the driving task. And again, we've had this discussion many times, Karen, I think the driving seat should be considered a place of work. And I think that that that's the way forward if we're really going to tackle occupational road risk in a big way.
0: my thanks to our guest michael mcdonald director of road safety scotland and thanks to you for listening don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode and we'd love it if you could leave a review it really makes the podcast easier for others to find i'm karen mcdonnell and thanks for listening